I'm Samaita Graver, and I want to welcome you to Truth, Salt, and Spice, the podcast. My hope is that the stories my guests share inspire you to walk in truth, be salt to your corner of the world, and to use the unique gifts that God intentionally gave you to add spice to everything you do. Today, we continue with our series on friendships. My guest, Anna LeBaron, is a close friend. In the three years we've known each other, we have embarked on many adventures. Actually, she would say we've gone rogue many, many times. We have stayed at each other's homes and spurred each other on toward love and good deeds. She grew up in a murderous polygamous cult, and she wasn't allowed to make friends. And she's going to share how she had to unlearn many unhealthy behaviors in order to bravely unmask and reveal her true self. Here's Anna. Hello! Hello, my friend. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I am good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm laughing here because you know how I am with uh, technology. <laughs> and, and I'm no better. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so, like, it follows me everywhere. <laughs> between the two of us, I, I hope we can get this done. We like, will. We got it. We our, got it with, done. With our cumulative knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I'm glad we're not surrounded by some kind of a geek because uh they'd be rolling their eyes at us a hundred percent so happy you're here to talk about friendship um, well what I think of uh who you are who I know you are your past and just the beautiful person that you are I'm just so glad that we can have this conversation yeah <laughs> on a positive note we have so much <laughs> history together and mm-hmm. I have so much history that that lends itself to this conversation really easily. Yes. It's easy talking to you. So it'll be awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> so how about we start with you telling uh, our friends a bit about you and uh, then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, well, I was born and raised in a violent polygamist cult. My father was um, the leader of the cult and he practiced um, a doctrine called blood atonement, and which means there are some sins that the blood of Christ can't cover. And therefore, if you commit this unpardonable sin, you have to atone for that sin with your own blood, meaning you get a hit ordered on you. And so the first hit my dad ever ordered was when I was three years old. And so from the age of three onward, We lived life on the run from the law and being taught to lie about who we were and our circumstances to everyone that was considered an outsider. And so we grew up um, very isolated, very secluded. When we were in school, we were taught not to make friends um, with anyone outside of our little group. And we were taught to lie and we couldn't invite friends over to our house. We couldn't go over to other people's houses after school, as is like some people do all the time. And so it just, it was a very isolated upbringing. And even though my personality type is very outgoing, very extroverted, very people oriented, I had to suppress all of that natural tendencies all of the natural tendencies that I have in order to um, fit in my family of origin and in the culture in which I was raised. 
Right, because stepping out of the norm would mean castigation, right? Right. Oh, yeah, we, we would get in trouble for not following the rules. And so I just squashed everything about who I was and, and learned how to not express all of that and just keep it inside, kind of like, you know, holding down a spring, you know, <laughs> you hold down a spring long enough and then you finally let it go and it's going to just pop right up, you know? <laughs> exactly. So all of that was just held down and suppressed. Um, for, and so obviously, uh, you know, we're friends now, so mm-hmm. you're not part of the cult anymore. <laughs> right, right. I escaped when I was 13 years old, so I'm spoiling the book for everybody that decides they want to read it. Right. Um, well, tell us the title of your book and then we can oh, move from there. Yeah, that's, I should do that. I assume everybody knows, you know. Well, at least um, the ones listening to this podcast now are probably all friends. But, you know, yeah. and I've talked to all my friends about you because, you know, yeah. but, you know, just in case some rogue person. Yeah, some <laughs> random person listens to your podcast. Okay, so the book is called The Polygamist's Daughter because I was raised in a polygamist cult. Um, my dad had 13 wives and fathered more than 50 children. So I had a lot of brothers and sisters that I could be friendly with. But you know how brothers and sisters are. They don't always get along. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, yep, my choice yep. of making friends was pretty limited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have all these thoughts, but I'm going to let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling this whole recording is going to be that. <laughs> yeah, let me just not say that. <laughs> Or maybe we could just go rogue and say whatever we want. That could make it really super spicy. It would make it interesting. <laughs> well, I was, using, interesting. I was using the word spicy very, very purposefully. I know. Because we are all about the spice around here. Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, okay, so you escape at 13. Mm-hmm. Then what? Um. I was enrolled in a little Christian school, um, and that's a long story that I don't, I won't go into here. You can no, because people book. have to read it in the book. Yeah, exactly. I have to leave something to the imagination. <laughs> so exactly. um, I escaped. I was enrolled in this school, and that's where I made the first friends I ever had outside of the cult. And it was a very small, tight knit school, and like eight through twelve was probably sixty students. That is and small. So, and so it, it, it was probably the best for me because all of a sudden that spring that we held down for 13 years was let loose. And, and I was able to um, make friends, um, some of them that I have to this day. And it's what, Which, over 35 years ago. Wow, so, that's awesome. So do I know I was able to friends from the school from the first school because I know I met you, you met Madeline. Okay, she's from the school. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if she was from later on. No, she okay. was from the school and my kid's dad was from the school, but you didn't. Meet yes. Him, so, no, I did not. But you know of him. Mm-hmm. But um, so anyway, um, I was there at that school. I, I made friends even though I didn't. I wasn't talking. And I had no practice. But like I said. I'm extroverted, people-oriented naturally, and so it was easy for me to um, to figure that out and navigate that. Especially teenagers, you you find your little tribe, and you know. <laughs> um, 
But as an adult, um, it became a lot more difficult to make friends and keep them. Well, what specifically can you pinpoint now that made it so difficult? Just, well, well to begin with, mm-hmm. everything that happened that I go into in the book, all the, even after I got out, the horrific things that, that transpired um, even after, um, left me just basically shell-shocked. And, um, and I didn't want to talk about my family of origin once I got out. I mean, once I became an adult and, you know, started creating a family of my own and going to church, it was really difficult for me to talk about my family of origin just because I felt like I would be judged mm. and, and not accepted. Yeah. Um, Goodness. So, so think of, let's, you know, talk about that for a second. So you're already feeling like an outsider in the world because of, Mm -hmm. you know, your upbringing and then you go out into the world, you're no longer an outsider and yet you're still feel like an outsider. Still feel like an outsider. You're, you're, you saying that is, is bringing up stuff for me and I'm feeling emotional just just acknowledging that because I've Mm -hmm. never even seen that before. Oh, you know, leave it to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm all over here weepy, you know. Yeah. We're living in freedom now. Yeah. And so now I can imagine that being very painful. Absolutely. Yeah. And and trying to figure out how to tell people about my family of origin. Like I would like side skirt people's questions. Like if they said, you know, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I would answer and say, My mother had twelve children. Mm. Even though that's a lot still. Yeah. Um, I I didn't want to have to go into my father had fifty children. Right. Like, oh my gosh, because that, then you have to talk about everything. You know, whereas if you say my mother had 12 children, which is true, then they can be a little bit shocked and, you know, I'm number 10 of 12. And then just kind of, you know, like I side skirt that whole conversation by answering what I want people to know, not saying the whole thing. And so I still felt like I was hiding. And you got married young too, right? So it probably was easy to be able not to be connected to your maiden last right. name, right? right? At that point. I, I got um, married the day before I turned 21 Yeah. to um, the, the boy I met. Mm-hmm. We started dating when I was 14. I say dating really loosely because I wasn't allowed to date. And so, <laughs> you... <laughs> this rogueness of yours has been yeah. around for a while. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to date, but we call it, I called it dating. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we dated all through high school and got, eventually got married. Um, but yeah, so did you find been... it easier to be able to even leave that chapter of your life? Because oh, I really felt like I, had, name. I felt like I had left it all behind. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm bringing, I'm creating my own life. And we're going to tie all of that up, put it in a little box and put it behind me and never to look at it again. That's really how I went about my life. But it was difficult to make friends mm -hmm. when you feel like you're hiding something. Right. And when in any moment you'll be exposed, right? Right. And you Mm -hmm. don't want to be exposed because it's just too vulnerable. It's just too risky. And, you know, there's already complications of you know, just navigating adulthood, which I was very unprepared for, you know, having been growing up in a cult, 
And then in this little tiny bubble of a Christian school, left me unprepared for adulthood. Yeah. But I had a, I had a good work ethic, which mm. you know about from the book. So yes. <laughs> I had a great work ethic. That has served me well. <laughs> you know, I can speak Spanish and I have a good work ethic. Those are the things that I took from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> which is which makes me love you more because we can speak Spanish together sometimes. Yeah. Oh, we, I love and we it. do. So I know that you're still friends with Madeline. So what was it about her? Because she knew she probably knew your story then from when you went into the school, or was she not even aware of all the details? And if like, she wasn't, when did she the, know? The students weren't made aware of all the details. Maybe mm-hmm. the, the the teachers were given maybe some background. But nobody, I don't think, knew the whole thing. Mm. Um, and the whole thing became very, very upfront and close and personal for everybody at that church school. Um, yes, when the, it, that's in your book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when the events of June of 1988 happened, um, it, every, everything about my past came just like swooping in and upended everything. So at that point, were you really close friends with Madeline and that didn't matter or did it yeah. become? No, like it how, didn't how did matter. That... None okay. of it mattered. We were, I mean, we had been friends. Um, I started that school. I started going there in 1982. This was 1988. She mm-hmm. had graduated. I had graduated. Um, and so, you know, it had, we had, our, you know, friendship was pretty cemented mm-hmm. by that time. Okay. So what was it about her that was easy for you to become friends? Or did you still, still feel that at that point you were still hiding? Oh, I still felt like I was hiding. Yes. Well, I, didn't, okay. I didn't recognize that. Yes. At yes. That point. I can see that. Um, you know, we talked about little stuff. But, you know, your kids and your teenagers, you talk about the mall and fashion and, you know, she boys. and boys. <laughs> because I wasn't allowed to date. He wasn't allowed to call me on the phone. So mm. she would be the friend that I would call and say, will you call David and tell him such and such? Mm. Call him, tell him such and such. And then he would tell her, tell Anna, whatever. And then she would hang up with him and call me back. It was like the telephone, you know, like the three. Oh, my gosh. She was <laughs> instant oh messenger of the day. Like that was it. <laughs> so she was my little go between <laughs> friend so I could talk to my boyfriend the, the advent of social yes. media. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is not even, that is hilarious. <laughs> so she was the messenger and, and sometimes after church or after a youth group activity or something, she would offer to drive me home and he would just, you know, happen to need a ride home too. So she would drive us both home and we could sit in the back seat of her car and hold hands in the back seat. Aww. And and she didn't so tattle on us because, you know, we weren't supposed to be holding hands or having any physical contact whatsoever. It was in the backseat of her car when she dropped me off after the Valentine's banquet that he kissed me for the first time on my cheek. Oh, I know. my goodness. <laughs> I know. You were in cloud nine. I was in cloud nine. <laughs> I was 15 the first time I got kissed like that and by a guy that I cared about. I had been kissed before. That's a whole nother podcast. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to go into that. No, we don't. Gross. That was, that, that was like a, so yeah. this, but this was the first time I'd been kissed by a boy that I was like, 
Twitter faded with and oh my gosh. Yeah, that was, I'm like, I don't think that's what this podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're rogue. (laughs) We told you (laughs) it's going to be hard. We'll go off on. Okay, that's okay. So, should we? So, yeah, that's my friend Madeline. Let's get back to it. She was very, you know, like she was a good friend. Um, Okay, so we're back to adulthood here now. And now you're you're wanting to make friends, but you're afraid that people find out and it will just, you know, people judge you and reject you, reject you, and then now what? So, like when I was, um, I got married, went to Okinawa, Japan for two years. And then we relocated because he was in the military. So they sent us to Amarillo, Texas, which I didn't know a single soul there. Um, I started attending a church and met a girl named Stacy that she had more friends than she knew knew what to do with. (laughs) She collected them. Yeah, exactly. Friend for you, friend for you. You know, back in the day, people would have Tupperware parties, you know back when that was like uh, new yes. and she would have a Tupperware party and, you know, 50 women from the church, which well, not 50, maybe, you know, 15 women from the church would show up for her little Tupperware party. And then I would offer to host one and she would show up with one other person. Like, and it'd be like, mm. like, why, what is it about her that is so attractive? And I can't like, but, but here's this part about that. I watched her like a hawk because Mm. how she was with people resonated with me. And it was kind of like a guide for me to find my own true self. I went to that church for seven years and then we moved to Austin. And, um, well, let me let me share this thought I have with you because you know um, we've talked a lot. We've been friends mm-hmm. for years, and we still you still say stuff, and it just brings things. Because I'm here thinking you started observing mm-hmm. her, but I am thinking that you know you having been having been lived the li- the life that you did, and you had to have those observational skills totally yeah. sharpened. And so I can see you just knowing how to you know check and scope people's moods, what's mm-hmm. going on, how to protect yourself, and how those right. skills, even though they were not gained very, you know, in the most uh, healthy way, healthiest right. of ways, yes, um, they served you well later yes. on, right? Would very that be accurate? accurate. So the whole time I lived in Amarillo, how she was with people, she was very extroverted, um, very gregarious, very friendly. Um, it's It just there was a part of me that just ached and longed for to become the person that I was actually created to be. That's what I was aching and longing for. I just didn't know it. So Mm -hmm. we moved to Austin to a different, you know, started going to a different church. And literally the words that went through my head were nobody at this church knows who I am and nobody knows Stacy. So if I just go there and act like Stacy does, um, I'll make friends. And so new game, a new game plan. Plan. And, I, and I thought <laughs> I'm going to act like Stacy and people don't know her. So they won't accuse me of just being a Stacy wannabe because I really wanted to mm. act that way at the other church, but it didn't, I thought, Oh, everybody's just going to look at me and think she's just wanting, you know, she's just trying to act like Stacy. Right, because you showed up right. a certain way. And then even though it was always within you, it's not, 
who you right. were to them. And so right? at this new church, yeah. I just, I, I showed up with my, my real self, even though I didn't know that was my real self. But I, be, I was friendly and outgoing and extroverted the way I'm actually like created. And I made more friends than I knew what to do with. And after like four years, when I moved away from Austin, I kept those friends. And, you know, it just, it made all the difference in the world for me to find out who I was and become that person, like grow into that person that was always on the inside. Or, or let so, that I know we had out uh-huh. or express that person. Right. I came out of the closet. If we... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a true extra. Yeah, little, this, kind, this side of Anna was like hiding in the closet for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my goodness. That's hysterical. Because um, I know when we were talking earlier, just what topic we would, you know, well, not topic. We were going to talk about friendships, but, you know that topic can have just so many subtopics mm-hmm. right and you know when you had uh when we had landed on you know unlearning right. what would you describe that right there what did you have to unlearn in order to be open to becoming who you already were well um when you are raised in a polygamist cult um you are groomed to one day become a sister wife like we would get married in mm-hmm. our group, they would get married off right about age 14, 15. They were eligible. And usually no, nobody very often made it to age 18 without already becoming a sister wife. And so when you're taught and groomed to, to become that, um, they, you're taught to suppress any kind of negative emotion. Um, and so, you know, jealousy, anger, you know, the sister wives weren't allowed to have those emotions. And they were taught that by suppressing all of that and overcoming those kinds of emotions, that they were becoming more holy and more godlike, you know. So it was a test to, to see how holy you were, to, to suppress all of that and not express any of that emotion to your sister wives and others around you. Oh, my gosh. So the thought of you expressing anything or having any sort of feeling... Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm unholy. Yeah. I'm unholy. Well, um, oh my gosh. You know, I talk about Brene Brown a lot. Yes. So Dr. Uh-huh. Brene Brown says that you cannot selectively numb your emotions. If you numb the negative ones, you're also numbing the positive ones. And yes. so mm-hmm. if, when you are left with just this little tiny band of human emotion that is accessible to you, that's appropriate, that's acceptable, um, it just you become a shell of the person that you were created to be. And that's how I showed up in the world for all my teenage years into my adulthood, just a shell of the person. I had no idea how to unlearn that suppression of emotion, that hiding, that person, you know, being a, different person and having this mask that smiled when I was really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, You had to learn to like contort your face to look a certain way. And I learned all that. And I had, which is when you came in and Stacy was doing all that, you were totally fine with just 
being plain right. Jane, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. being like vanilla. When mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're so <laughs> I am not so not vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. The best, like I'm not a dessert person. But I will tell you that, or even ice cream, but when I want ice cream, I want a vanilla shake, oh, believe wow. it or not. Vanilla may be mild, but it is, it is Oh, yummy. my gosh. <laughs> so I, nothing, nothing against nothing vanilla. Nothing against vanilla. I'm, I love me some vanilla. I have custard, <laughs> which you know how my love for custard, um, it's always vanilla. So nothing against vanilla. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes. You know, I'm not a vanilla flavored person at all. Person, yeah. And I had to learn the who Anna was and figure that out and unlearn that hiding and that, you know, putting on the mask and contorting my face to look a certain way. That Those were all things I had to unlearn. I had to learn to be real. So can I just pitch Dr. Brene Brown's book again, Daring Greatly? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Daring Greatly helped me. Like I was reading that book and her other book for that um, the gifts of imperfection and another one she wrote called, I thought it was just me. Mm, I, I have, I've read two books of hers. I loved daring greatly, which was my intro uh-huh. to her. And I just finished reading braving. The oh Wilderness. my gosh. Um, so uh, in our book club, we read that one, but I have to say that um, daring greatly was really good for me too. And, you know, I'm listening to you here and the reality is not like you woke up one day and you unlearned everything and you just were the greatest friend ever. And Mm-mm. that was it. Like it was a process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everything in life, because it's a thinking, process. Hello. Yes. It's a process. Well, and I say that because I, you know, there are people out there that are ten, sometimes have tendencies to be very, very hard on mm-hmm. themselves. And I haven't gotten this yet, or I'm still stuck here or, yeah. you know, every, everything in life is a process, you know, peeling back the mm-hmm. onion layers. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a polygamous cult, um, but we had our own family secrets and from the outside, everything, you know, looked normal. And, you know, I just grew up um, close and I was very distrustful. And so friendships, while I had many, um, and I could be, oops, I just dropped something. I could be very charming. Um, I still help people at arm's mm-hmm. length. And it wasn't until way into adulthood that I started realizing, you know, um, unlearning, I'm not in that environment anymore. We're not right. home, you know, right. <laughs> we're not in Kansas anymore. Right. And um, it's okay to um, let go. And it, it takes vulnerability. Is, it, you need bravery yeah, for that. For sure. But once you reach, you know, once you reach that and you're, once you get to the point that you own your weaknesses and, and are open to people, I found, and I tell this to many people, it's like, it actually makes you stronger. There's strength and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, When, when you own your weaknesses and you know who you are, you really, it's an armor. Like people, you can't, I already know this and it's okay. So you can't write me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like people knowing, people knowing about my past now can't hurt me. Uh It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter to me anymore if people know about my past. So before I was able to write that book, I had read those three books by Brene Brown. And that's what precipitated me being able to write my book in the way that I did with some transparency and vulnerability. And number one, without shame. Mm -hmm. I had spent years ashamed of my family of origin. And now, guess what? I it's lost its I power. I'm so proud <laughs> of my family. 
Like mm. everybody's out. There's, there's no such thing as the cult that we grew up in anymore. Everybody got out. And all of us, the ones that made it out alive, because not everybody did, and the ones that yeah. aren't in prison, because some of them, some of my siblings ended up in prison. Um, the ones that made it out have all found their way and are making their way in the world, contributing to society. And it just makes me feel so proud of whom I am, who my family is, for everything that we've overcome. I'm not ashamed of my family anymore. And what freedom oh, is that? This is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, as Christians, how God takes ashes, yeah. right? And then there's beauty what? Beauty from ashes. Crowns mm-hmm. of beauty. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I love that when we allow him to touch those tender parts mm-hmm. and we hand over that weakness and allow him to make, you know, things pow- become powerful right. in our weakness, right? Um, so the other thing I just thought was, okay, so you became an adult, you, you know, and, and you knew how to be yourself. And so then you're able to make friends. At what point, or maybe you don't remember specifically, um, but, you know, general idea, when did you start then looking around and being like, okay, now I get to um, help others, you know, Titus one women, like going back and then help others come up and be who they are. Um, When do you remember being conscious of now I get to pour into others? Well, I did not feel like I had anything to pour for the longest time. It was Mm -hmm. about 11 years ago when I went through this um, personal growth trainings weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. When um, on the third session, they, they talk about your future and they ask you to write a um, mission statement. Mm -hmm. And I wrote like when, you know, they take you through this process to get to the place where you write your mission statement and it all mm-hmm. kind of lends itself to where your mission just kind of uh, appears. And you're like, oh, well, of course that's it. But when I wrote what my mission was, I wrote down the words, um, my mission is to mentor and teach women. And, mm. and I didn't have a clue what that meant at the time. Yeah, at the time, yes. I knew that um, the, the way that I am... I'm a teacher at heart and, and I know, I, I knew that I knew stuff about the world that I had gained the hard way through the school of hard knocks. Yes. Living yeah. it. Right. And, and all the things that I had to overcome in my lifetime left me equipped to help others. But I just didn't have that confidence to. to so what, out. when was that? Um, just. Or what, what year-ish? Or well, something. I started sharing my story that same year publicly. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm sharing my story. And, you know, it's like, it's like a dramatic story. It lends itself mm-hmm. to, you know, people asking me to speak and share it. And, and I, was, I had been doing that since 2007. So about 11 okay. years. And... Several years into that, I don't know when it happened, when that switch happened, but I would always just end this. I would tell my story and then present the gospel because that's what 
you know, because my story lends itself to the gospel being presented. Um, <laughs> how I came to know Christ was very much tied into my story. And so I would present the gospel and that's the end. And as people were leaving and filing out of this, the venue that we would be at, you know, most of the women would, would come to me and, and, and they would want to talk about me and the things that I had experienced. And all of them felt very compassionate. You know, they would embrace me and, and whisper really sweet things to me. And, and I believe that was very um, fathering to my heart very mothering to my mm -hmm. heart to have these women speaking these really kind words over me because the mother wound is something that I had struggled with. Um, mm -hmm. So, so that was very healing for me. Well, several years into it, there was, and I really got tired of, of it being about me. Mm. And so I changed up the end of my talk that I would give. And I, imparted some things that I had learned about life and and this the the short the short way of saying it is I, I would say that I learned that um that anytime we have impossible circumstances that we're facing that God has a part in in um in how that comes plays out but mm -hmm. we also have a part and my I would say I have a, I have this deal with God that I do all the possible things and he does all the impossible things. And, and my part is always possible. <laughs> <laughs> I get the easy stuff. He does the hard stuff. And this deal with him has worked out for a long time. And so I just, fabulous. So it's worked out great. Um, so I, I shared that with them. And, and then I would have this prayer time where I would invite them to talk to God about their impossible circumstances and, and just this little, teaching moment and I would end on that note and it switched it was like magic so then the women coming up then, then I imagine the language started it changing. was about them about their circumstances mm. about what was happening in their hearts when I was speaking and the things that were bubbling up for them and they would tell me their hard things the impossible things that they were facing and I could stand there and embrace them and come alongside them. And I didn't realize that it was at that moment that things kind of shifted for me. And I realized I had something to give to the world. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking here because I've known you. It's been what? Four years now? Almost three it oh, it's feels only three, like a okay, lifetime. almost three years. It feels like I've known you forever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's only been three years, mm -hmm. <laughs> or almost three. No, it's been um, just over three years because. Yeah, but even because we met on this online group and all yeah. that, and so, but when we really became close, it's 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 a little bit later. Um, but you know, I'm thinking when I when I think of you, and from the very beginning, you've always been very supportive of other mm -hmm. people, and you know that's just your makeup. Yeah. And it's beautiful to see that when you need the support in any way, how women come by dro mm -hmm. in droves yeah. to support you. Yeah. And that's a testament to who you are as a friend and to, to the community of women that you, you know, come in contact mm -hmm. with. And it's beautiful to see that you could have chosen a life of scarcity and held back and, um, you know, by the grace of God um, and just, 
stayed in your woundedness, right. I guess, to put it that mm-hmm. way. And, you know, that's one of the things that I truly admire of you, of knowing that you just made a decision you were going to be different and do things, you know, different. And, and you fought through. I mean, you, you're a fighter. Right. Oh, for sure. I've had to fight for everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with all those siblings, I, know. I guess you would learn how to you fight. You learn. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, fighting for the, for the common good. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I think of you know, my, own history, uh, my own story, I'm thinking I actually did not like women. <gasps> like women got on my last nerve. Wow. <laughs> I did not. Can you believe that? I didn't think I've ever told no. you that. And I, the majority of my fr- my friends, um, you know, I had a few, and I had a few girlfriends. Um, but in general, I just enjoyed hanging out with guys. They were simple. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they weren't catty. In my opinion, the women were catty. They were just um, drama queens, and it, it just it totally got on my nerves. So, growing up, I spent the majority of my time with a very small. I mean, I had a lot of different groups of friends yeah. that didn't know each other, but my core group was very, very mm-hmm. small. And the majority of them were guys. And they were my best friends. And oh my gosh, I loved hanging out with the guys. You would see me somewhere, I was hanging out right. with the guys. And it wasn't romantic. It wasn't anything. It was just simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so simple. Um, and though I, as an adult, you know, I'm in my 30s, late, you know, early 30s. And from then on, I start then working on my own stuff in um, it, it's funny because sometimes I would have conversations with people and I remember my husband saying, you should have been a counselor. And I'm like, oh my God, please. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I had this gift already that I didn't know mm-hmm. I had. And, you know, I would just, because of my personality, I'm just mm-hmm. blunt and just speak truth or whatever. And I would just say things and people would be like, oh, I never thought about it like that. I'm like, oh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, okay, move, moving on. <laughs> See ya. Right. Um, kind of thing. Um, but my heart started softening and it was just that whole vulnerability mm-hmm. thing because I didn't trust people. You have to, when you walk around with that as your anthem, you keep people, you know, at a right. distance. And, uh, and then through my own transformation, and it's funny that you say that because I went through one of those weekends and whatnot. It just, it was a switch and, um, and just learning. And since then, um, I am able for my healing to pour into other mm-hmm. women and I, I, I don't have the same feeling toward them. Oh, see, that's good <laughs> because good you yes. wouldn't have liked me at all because I'm not simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's, it's an honor. It really is an honor to be able to walk with, you know, my mm-hmm. sisters and be a friend and be there mm-hmm. for them. Um, still speak right. truth, but, but um, not have that contempt yeah. <laughs> towards, towards the drama. It's so unfriendly to... <laughs> to have contempt for people. <laughs> so speaking of unlearning, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I unlearned that these people with feelings and exposed under sleeves were, there was something wrong with them. I was the one that had mm-hmm. the issue with expressing things. <laughs> And you know that saying, it's not you, yes. it's me, that, that would fit. It wasn't you, yeah. it was me. <laughs> well, that applied to me as well. You know, I didn't make friends and it was me, it wasn't them. Like, as soon as I figured out who I was and, and how I was created to be, um, all of a sudden I could make friends and people were attracted to me because I was being real. I was being my real self. And so yes. what, this is what I want to say to pe- anybody listening. When, e- even if you're not extroverted and, um, you know, people, per- 
if you are your real self, even if that's introverted and quiet and, you know, in the background, like when you're your real self, you will make friends and you will attract the right kind of people that need that kind of friendship. Like not everybody wants to be friends with me. <laughs> um, I have, and that's I okay, have been right? Told that I'm uh-huh. like drinking water from a fire hose. <laughs> not everyone wants that kind of friend. I just had this mental picture. <laughs> But isn't it true? <laughs> well, I've been told many things, but that one, not, not, not that I mean, one. I'm more, I'm more like a Brillo yeah. pad, apparently. <laughs> See? Like, I can stand you. Like, I love you. I love you to pieces. <laughs> I guess fire hoses and Brillo pads work, you know? They do. They get the, gr- they get the grind out. Oh, really my fast. gosh. This is hilarious. <laughs> Now we need we need some detergent. Who can we add to this trio? <laughs> Probably Tacoa. Hello. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, my abs! I just worked out. <laughs> well, I worked out for the day, but we don't have to talk about that because that's a long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll let you oh read the blog goodness, post about it later. Yes, yes. Well, you want to tell people about that blog post or not? Well, Hello. I mean, I'm going to say the word CrossFit and everyone's going to hard roll their eyes. So no, I'm not saying about the blog post. I I don't know why. Why do people do that? I don't understand. Because CrossFitters have a reputation for, you know, all they talk about is CrossFit. Oh, it's a little, it's a little club. Yeah, like, you know, the, you know, the fight club. You know, what's the number one rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Well, the number oh, one rule okay. about CrossFit is you talk about CrossFit. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I wrote a blog post about my experience this morning at CrossFit. AnnaLeBaron.com. <laughs> click on the blog. And it's, 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 the title oh of it is, um, that'll do, Anna. Well done, yeah, huh? That'll do. <laughs> so, oh my and that's God. a line from the, the movie Babe about the pig uh-huh. that was a sheep herder. I, you know, I don't think I saw Okay, so babe. just anyway, <laughs> yes. those, those that recognize the line, that'll do, because yes. the farmer says, that'll do pig. You know, oh, after he wins okay. the, the championship, sheep herding, herding or something? Championship, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. so it's a tender moment. Uh, I cried. I yes. cried writing the blog. I cried reading the blog. And that's because I cried in CrossFit this morning. And here uh, we are talking about it. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, but I have yeah. my ways. Because <laughs> I'm a Brillo pad. Now, now let's talk about this. Because you and I have a, a very interesting um, uh, powers of pers- persuasion. <laughs> yes, we kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm totally dying i know me here. too um yeah we it's funny because we're different in many ways yet we have we, we accomplish the same thing in, in different yes, ways i would agree <laughs> very nicely put zamaita <laughs> 
have a way with words. Yes, you do. You have you you've had um, your way with me. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna yes. say right there. Moi? I know. I love you too. John? I love you too. But there have been times in my life when I wasn't super happy with you. I know. I get that a lot. I hate you. I'm like, that's okay. You'll I know. later. And see, look at me. I adore you now. Like, just, it was in that moment where you were just, you know, yes. messing with my stuff. And I, I, I stepped you on stepped your toes. On Is that my what toes. Thing says? You pulled yes. me out of my comfort zone. And I read your read mail. Apparently, that's mail. another one I've been oh accused of. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, yes. I and know. you weren't even like doing that much. Like, <laughs> like, let me just, can I just put a plug in for your coaching skills? Like, if yes. you, you want to talk about my transformation? Yes. Coaching? If ahead. you are stuck in any area of your life, hire this woman to coach Ooh. you, period. I think period. that's enough. That's it. Because I was stuck you can, in, in, a, uh-huh. in a bunch of different ways. And I took that coaching course that you did and, mm-hmm. and uh, things were unstuck. Remain so. Like just me blogging this, yes, me blogging this morning was a part of that. Remember, I, could, I did, had never blogged or said, and sent an email, email out an to email. my people. <laughs> like I had yes. an email list. And had never once emailed my people that were subscribed to my email list. Oh, they were waiting there faithfully, faithfully for waiting. For, like I subscribed and I gotten one peep from this woman that I subscribed to her email list. Like what is going on here? I don't, I mean, I don't think people were sitting there thinking that honestly, but when they got the first <laughs> one, they were like, who is this? Who's this? <laughs> You know, you, 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 you text somebody that doesn't have your phone number saved in their phone. Yeah. Like, who this? You know? <laughs> right? Like, it's like, obviously, we know each other because you're speaking right. to me very friendly, but I have I no idea who you I are. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're about. So I had to, like, introduce myself to these people that had subscribed to my blog. Right? Reintroduce yes. yourself. Be like, remember, remember me? You, you added yourself at some point along the way. It may have been months or years, <laughs> and, um, exactly. and so you know you get a you get a lot of unsubscribes at that point because they're like, I don't know who you are and why are you emailing me, lady? You know. So let's talk about that. So you know we get to a point, and you get to a point in your life that you're like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You're speaking to women, but that's a whole different story than to step a, go a step further and then speaking truth right. because that creates mm-hmm. friction. And that could possibly ruin relationships. Yeah. So then how did you navigate that? Well, it took me kind of stumbling my way forward and speaking truth. And I did lose some relationships um, speaking truth, but not knowing how to do it in love and with graciousness and kindness and joy. Um, just all those mm-hmm. things that should surround this truth when it's spoken. Um, I didn't Mm -hmm. know all of that. And I had to stumble my way forward, like walk in this area that I needed to be learning, um, but also um, figure it out along the way. I know because, you know, it's always have to, it's always good to have that one friend that's very encouraging, but if all your friends, all they do is encourage you and don't challenge Mm -hmm. you, um, 
Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say get rid of your friends, but go find yourself at least yeah. one. Well, my friend Madeline that, <laughs> that we will. talked about, you know, yes. she's been my friend for 35 years. And then my sister Celia, like she's two and a half years older than me. So she's known me my whole life. Um, we're like the three musketeers around here in Dallas. Um, like, mm-hmm. like forever. Like, <laughs> and I say about them, if we would just listen to and follow, like, cause we, we, um, nag each other a lot about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, if we would just listen to one p- tiny percentage and do what each other tells us to do, we would not only be skinny, but we would be rich too. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, for real, like, <laughs> it's like, they tell me what to do and I hard roll my eyes. I tell them what to do and I can feel it. That they're just inside going, whatever, Anna, whatever. But I would, I mean, they're my very, very best, best of the best. You know, a friendship of 35 years is like, you know, solid. Yeah. And, and we've. And I'm, and I'm sure you've had your friction. Of course. I worked, yes, for, no? I worked yeah, for her for eight years. She was, right. so you she had was that my employer too. and we navigated that. Um, and, you know, my sister and I have had our little situations. We'll just call them that, you know, that mm-hmm. we've had to navigate our way through and around and, you know, and we're still just, I don't know what I would do without her. No, it, it, it is amazing how we get to unlearn. Yeah. I love that you came up with that all, you know things that hinder us from really being the best we can for other yeah, people. And I should stop hard rolling my um, eyes at the, the two of them, really. <laughs> oh, but that would take away the space. I, <laughs> I mean, listen, if the spirit is convicting mm-hmm. you, I am not going to get yeah. in the way of all that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but, you know, we'll... if it's just an obligation thing. Yeah. Eh. No. It brings spice. So yeah, we've we've, <laughs> we've navigated that, and we've come to a real neat, neat place where we're at in our relationship. No, that's awesome. So let's change gears a bit here. Okay. So you know the podcast is Truth, Salt, mm-hmm. and Spice, and so what hard truth would you share with um, our friends here listening um, when it comes into the realm of friendships um, um, that you've learned along the way? I've learned along the way that. Um, some of your friendships are not actually friendships. Ooh. You think. And how you, how do you. Because uh um, there are times when, when a person that you're connected to um, somehow, however that is. um, And every time they're in your presence, they are a drain on everything Mm. that you have. All your resources are drained, your time, your energy, um, your money sometimes <laughs> like they're just a drain <laughs> on your resources and they they there's no give and take in that like when mm. they email you when they call you when they text you you kind of feel yourself going ah, like deflating then you yeah. know this isn't a two-way relationship it's not that's, that's not, not life-giving and i mean there are times when all of us have to walk alongside a friend that is in the deep valley. Right. That, that is, is different. different. Yes. But mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. one person or the other is just a constant suck on everything 
that you have all your resources. It's a, it's a one way street and there has to be give and take in a relationship for it to last. Because eventually mm-hmm. if you find yourself um, where your friends keep distancing themselves from you, where they keep like, won't call you back, won't text you back. Um, you need to examine your own heart. Am I this negative um, person that is draining mm-hmm. the people around me because of the negativity that I take into every relationship. And if that's the case, that's something that we need to talk to Jesus about. Well, you know very well that a lot of times we are unaware of right. our mess. So what would you recommend to somebody that doesn't know if they're an energy suck? Well, <laughs> How could they ask their friends? Well, and I, and I, like not being I'm hurt speaking from or, experience. You know, Mm-hmm. Because I was negatively affecting people. They didn't want to connect with me um, mm. when I wasn't being myself. Who I was as a person had not emerged yet. And when you're fake, people aren't, don't want to be connected to that. It took mm-hmm. me being real and vulnerable like, and transparent and there's a, there's a line about that. And, and I'm going to quote Brene Brown again. She says, you know, tell your story to people who have earned the right to hear your story. So if you're in a mm-hmm. friendship and you have all this stuff, don't just meet someone new and blah, all over. Yeah, vomit with over all them. your stuff. <laughs> like if they haven't yeah. to hear the, the things that are these tender things that are inside of you, don't go that don't go and share with everybody nurture those relationships before you impart all of that and and there's and make sure there's if you're sharing all this stuff and they're not quite at that level of sharing yet you need to hold back a little bit and if you're trying to make friends meet people where they're at at whatever level they're comfortable sharing and you kind of test the water a little bit. And then if they reciprocate and, and share a little more with you, then share more. That's, there's just this give and take in relationships that have to be part of it. If it's not, you're mm-hmm. not going to, it's not going to work. They'll either withdraw or they'll stop calling you or they'll, they're just not going to respond. <laughs> yeah. How about um, those friends that have sat you down and, and said some hard truths. What, what do you value about that? Um, or have well, to say about it's, that? it's never easy to hear those things. But when you are kind of um, told what your blind spots are, you die a little bit inside. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> you know? And then you try to make course corrections. It's hard to make course corrections. I'm still like, even though I try oh, like, to hold I lost you. that okay. mm-hmm. at times. But I, I do my best to... Can you repeat you that? Because the connection you know, got the, bad. You that, said you're still uh, trying to what? We were talking about that proverb. Um, as iron sharpens iron, so one uh-huh. sharpens another. Yes. And, you know, the people speaking those hard realities that are, you know, people comfortable enough with you to tell you where your blind spots are. That's kind of a gift they're giving you. It's, it's hard. Yes, right? 
It is very hard to hear the truth. So I, I totally get that. Um, I also think of that scripture in Proverbs, and right now I can't remember, <laughs> you know, the XIV. Yes, um, wounds the XIV. From a, <laughs> yes, wounds from a friend. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but yeah, something or the other multiplies kisses. Right. Basically, you know, the yeah. one that's kissing your butt. <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't want that. No, no, we don't. I Nobody mean, we wants want, that. We want people that are encouraging. And, yeah. uh, you know, I do have different friends. I have a lot of my close-knit group of friends are about 10 mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, they have different gifts. And, um, and sometimes we need that person that's very gifted in being encouraging. Right. But ultimately, you know, encouragement doesn't always do the job to get your, that little fire on your rear to get moving and repenting and changing. Right. Um, for sure. Right. So, you know, I definitely get that. So, um, Salt. Let's talk about salt a bit. How, mm-hmm. you, how are you being salt in your neck of the woods? Well, the, I mean, now, like, my whole <laughs> life right now is, um, is being an author, a speaker, and book launching. So all of those things allow me to um, bring out the flavor in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what salt does, right? Yes. It brings out the flavor. So, you know, just my book being able to share my story, um, the, the, the hundreds of ways that people have contacted me after reading my story and the way that it moved them and, and helped them and shaped their life is just uh, unbelievable to me. And so just being able to share my story, um, has been putting salt in the world. Um, and then being able to speak and, and actually talk about these truths that I've learned, share with women, to mentor and teach women has been um, just so fulfilling for me because I know it's my calling. I know mm-hmm. it. And being able to just to, to do that is amazing. And then book launching, like putting great books out in the world that are changing people's lives, changing my own life for real. I know <laughs> you'll be like, Oh my gosh, I'm reading this book and it's amazing. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. What are you drinking water now? <laughs> yes. I'm drinking water now. Like I seriously, yes. I, I could mean... tell you like three books recently, one after another that have l- really shaped and changed my life. And it's, and, and being able to, to work with publishers, to put these books out there that are actually transformative it just gives me so much joy. Books mentored me my whole life. And so being able to do this and give this gift to the world, um, just, uh, I can't even tell you how great it feels to, to operate in the areas of my gifts, talents, abilities, strengths, um, all the ways that God created me so uniquely that lend itself to this kind of work. It's just, I'm in my sweet spot. Yes. You know, I, I can attest to that, you know, firsthand because I have definitely been in the recipient, a recipient of this little salt of yours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you are definitely a person in my life that I look to and admire and I don't hand those out <laughs> very easily. Um, simply because I've just know that humans are imperfect. And we can so easily put people on a pedestal. And then when they actually do a human 
thing fault <gasps> then we're all like oh my, oh my gosh I'm devastated and then you know the world crashes to an end and right. people are you know and I just I'm like no uh, someday I'll disappoint somebody and if people you know it's just I'm not that way um well but I there know are I people. disappoint people all the time now <laughs> even now um, that have certain yeah. expectations of me that I'm just like I am good at other things <laughs> Um, but you, uh, you definitely, um, are a person to admire because under the circumstances of your life, you could have chosen to take many different paths that are not the one of healing and wholeness mm-hmm. that you are on now. And then you impart that joy right. and love to other people. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's always admirable, not to put others down that are still stuck, but mm-hmm. you know, it takes effort and intention. It just does. Yeah. Oh, and, for sure. And you know, so that's something to admire and and bring to the, to uh, to light. Um, I tell people. For sure. I tell people. I say, I have pursued wholeness and freedom, and aliveness more than anybody I know. And I think it's because I needed it more than everyone <laughs> <laughs> that you know. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> you know, it's like. I mean, person you're gonna go find water you know yes oh my goodness love it and so um before we start wrapping up here my last question for you is if you were a spice which one would you be (laughs) (laughs) and how do you use that unique spice that you are to touch other people's lives well um I am not a cook because so you asked me this question, <laughs> I know you, know, you, let, you I kind know. of clued me in that you would be asking this, and so um, <laughs> and I'm not a cook. If you but if I told you I was a cook and knew about spices and stuff, that would just be such a lie. And and so when I do cook, like because I do, um, my favorite spice to use is is nature seasoning. That, <laughs> is a combination of several spices because you never know which flavor is going to need. And I'm not a good person about finding which knowing which flavor is going to be good with which, you know, whatever. I don't even know what words go in that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) So no matter what I'm cooking, you can take out the nature seasoning and just kind of go sprinkle a little of this on and, and then it's probably going to be good. Like, all right, so listen, this nature seasoning is salt, pepper, onion, garlic, celery, and mm-hmm. parsley, and whatever natural flavors means. I, right. Isn't this all natural? It says well, it's probably, it's probably MSG, and they're just lying to no, us. No, it says no MSG on the front. I, oh, I saw okay. that. I picked that up. I, I, I knew enough about that. <laughs> oh, but I, I think that is... Um, I think it's appropriate. I mean, especially knowing you and your past, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be the one to bring one. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, spice. I have been, I, I know, I know that, um, that one of the things that I learned growing up with so many siblings and having to learn how to get along with so many people mm-hmm. is that I learned how to be a chameleon in my relationships to kind of fit in with the surroundings and blend with my surroundings. And so coming out of that and learning to be myself and be authentic and true has been a part of it, but I can still like read a crowd, read a room, read mm-hmm. a person, and then adjust myself to them to, to make them feel more comfortable. And, and I think that's a gift mm-hmm. that you can give somebody 
where you can adjust to them and allow them to like, you don't have to change to be my friend. You Mm -hmm. can be who you are and I'll adjust to that as best I can, (laughs) you know? Yes. Within reason. Right. But it's a learned skill. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Um, because you and I, you know, we're very different, but we have definitely certain things that are similar. I'm listening to you. And there's a scripture in the New Testament. I think it's Paul. And he says, you know, to the Greek, I'm a Greek. To the mm-hmm. Jews, I'm a Jew. And to the Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. And oh, so I, it's biblical. Oh, my I, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I've always said that I'm, I'm like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm like that until you, you start encroaching and then I'm like back it up back it up (laughs) (laughs) then it's like no I'm not like any of those Mm -hmm. you better back it up yeah (laughs) um but yeah there is something and I think because I value being honored for who I am even mm-hmm. if I'm strong, right. <laughs> I'm a Brillo pad, whatever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I can allow room for that for other people yeah. um, because I don't want people to make me to change. And, yeah. you know, obviously it's okay to be who you are unless you're a jerk, then that's not right. okay. Right. That's but not okay. Within, yeah. So within reason. Um, so I totally get what you're, what you're saying there. Yeah. It and, says on and, here, it says it brings out the flavor of foods without overpowering them. That's what nature, <laughs> nature seasoning does. There you go. I love oh, wait. it. It's called what? Nature's Seasons. Oh, Seasons. Season. Nature's Seasons. Oh, my gosh. I've called it the wrong thing my whole life. You see? Do you see how I'm not like a cook? I'm gone. So I'm looking at the little c- container, and it's like, oh, it's Nature's Seasons. So, so, you know, I, have, I was telling you, we were talking about, you know, what to expect and, and the seasoning and all that. And I would tell you a story. So I was talking to my friends uh, today and <laughs> oh boy, here goes. about what the seasoning would be. And I'm like, I have no idea. I said, you know, I was driving and I was thinking, I just like fat. <laughs> <laughs> like bacon thought- fat in particular, <laughs> if we're going to get really serious about what we're cooking. I like bacon fat and butter. Right. Like everything I cook is in <laughs> bacon fat and butter. So then I, then I thought, oh, I wonder if there are specific spices that are enhanced when mixed with fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't go any further. So I may, you know, investigate that and see which of those spices are um, fat soluble and then bring out more flavor. Well, I remember, <laughs> uh, I remember uh, doing one diet program, which shall not be named. Uh-huh. Because, you know, I've had this struggle. The struggle is real for me. Mm-hmm. I say books mentored me. Books mentored me all except the diet ones. Like, <laughs> so let's just be real. Um, but I, wa- I remember hearing one person that was, you know, doing a biblical kind of diet kind of thing. Because, yeah. you know, when you mix in the Bible with a diet, that always makes it better, you know? Right, yeah. Because then and we'd all be. she talked about how there was this... Um, this offering that people, that the Israelites would give to God and they would mix a, a grain and fats and spices and offer it as a, as a grain offering or whatever kind of offering we should, we should explore this. I read that today in Exodus 30. Yeah. So she was like, it's kind of like a Frito. (laughs) A Frito? (laughs) You know, it's grain, spice and fat, you know? Oh my god! That's the chips are Doritos, Doritos, grain, oh spicy. My god. <laughs> that's 
funny. So you're like a chip. Oh my gosh. Well, here's the thing. When you were speaking and you said about salt, that it mm-hmm. brings out flavor. I'm like, maybe I'm just salt. I go in, season stuff and bring out flavor. Yeah. Because let me tell you something. Steaks, a really good cut. Mm-hmm. All it needs is just a little bit of salt. Yeah. And with a good amount of that marbling in there, yeah. all that fat, because yeah. yeah, it's all about the fat. Mm-hmm. Maybe course. I should have called it in this podcast, Truth, Salt, and Fat. There you go. <laughs> like, you know how they, they say the you chew the fat or. Yes, yeah. right. And it's like chatting and talking is chewing the fat. <laughs> you should rename this <sighs> podcast before it gets too much further. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just have people chewing enjoy. Chewing the fat with the mitre. <laughs> Actually, no. I just thought of a slice of bacon. <laughs> well, I love bacon. So <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm all about oh that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Anna, this has been wonderful. I thank you so much um, oh. for all the laughter and the truth and the openness. Um, do you want to tell people where to find you? Okay. Um, you can find me on my website, AnnaLeBaron.com. And on social media, it's Anna K. LeBaron. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm also Anna Kayla Baron on Pinterest, but that website, that whole thing gives me hives. So <laughs> I'm not really there a lot. Your boards are empty. Like, uh, they, they have stuff on them because occasionally, you know, something will come like that about my book or an article or something, and it has the little Pinterest symbol. Mm-hmm. And if I can just click it and it goes, to my Pinterest board and automatically gets put wherever it gets put, then it's going to end up on my Pinterest. But if I have to do anything more than that, it's a no. It's a no for you. It's a no. It's a no. Like I, I love Twitter. I love Instagram. I love Facebook. I'll reply to whatever you post there. Notifications are my favorite thing in the world. I know. You are the notification queen. Uh, and I live in notification land. I hardly ever see my actual news feed on Facebook anymore because I get so many notifications. <laughs> but it gives me happiness and joy that people are like connecting with me in that way. So it's, it's a good thing and it works for me. Yes, it does. So any last words of friendship wisdom, unlearning behaviors to become a better friend? Yeah, I mean... Um, Bob Hamp, who is one of my teachers, um, says, freedom is becoming the person that you were created and redeemed to be. I remember when you shared that with me. And the, the teaching that he has that so um, shaped my life, shaped my world. Um, it's, it's about who you are in Christ and finding your identity in Christ. But the teaching is called Levels of Change. And if you go to Vimeo, which is a video sharing website, Mm -hmm. Vimeo.com, and put in Bob Hamp levels of change, you too can watch the teaching that just really changed and shaped my life about like becoming the person that you were created and redeemed to be and finding out who you are in Christ. Amen. Those things were the things that made me become the person that I am today that allowed me to take the mask off to be real and to be my authentic self that is attractive to others. So don't try harder to be a good friend. Become yourself and the right people and the right friends will be attracted to you. Right. Cause I have this thing that, you know, that I say confidence attracts, it doesn't push away. 
Right. So if you're coming off and thinking you're just being confident, but people are running the other way, it, it's, that's not confidence. Yeah. Because confidence is attractive. It's mm-hmm. magnetic. Yeah. And Facebook friend request me. So if you're listening to this and we're not Facebook <laughs> friends, let's do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Lana. Well, I get to see you next week. So I'm so excited, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and um, just being a great friend to me. Oh, well, I love you to the moon and back. Aww. Let's get on a rocket. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> See you, friend. See you next week. Bye. Take care. Hey, do you want to hear a bit more truth? I'm shameless. So if you're liking the podcast so far, will you share it with all your peeps? Follow it, review it. I mean, all the things out there. This way other people can enjoy it as much as you do. Thank you.